This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve once again call upon fellow purveyor of the obscure and linguistic virtuoso Chris from Channel 83 as we stumble our way through the most recent updates to the Zodiac Killer case. Join us as we very quickly blow past any real substantive information on the recent Zodiac case updates in favor of obscure twister quotes and the enduring charisma of Bill Paxton, breaking down regional soft drink preferences, and finally get Chris to crack with the mere mention of the Glimmer Man. You ever go reverse ET? Ejecto cedo cuz? Let's wax this wayward porpoise. Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. We're back again on episode 43 now. This We're going to be covering uh, the Zodiac case, but we're not going to be doing a, an entire rehash. This is kind of just focusing on some of the later developments uh, that I was caught me by, by surprise the past couple of years. I guess there's been a lot of shit that's gone down with the 340 cipher and supposed uh, suspects that some people like a lot. I thought this would be an interesting one to kind of flash back to and stay away from the stuff that's been retread ad nauseum for years and years, but just kind of hone in on like the updates uh, seem really interesting, particularly the uh, the code breaker group that that's done all this work on actually cracking the ciphers. That shit's super interesting just by itself. But um, so, yeah, this episode might be a little bit different uh, format wise, a little bit more free flowing. Before we get into it, you got myself this evening, Jim G. Baby. You want to know how long I'm going to stay here? Four fucking years. How about that? And as always, we have the usual suspect, Steve. No, Grandma, I didn't get it. <laughs> I'm so numb. I just hate him. I hate him. I hate him. How's it going, man? <laughs> good. Do it, man, you always bring the good ones. That one I couldn't believe. I I was like, oh, dude, that one's perfect. <laughs> couldn't can't believe it took me forty episodes to think of that one. <clears throat> and again, gracing us with his presence, we have I don't know, like nine time returning champion Chris from Channel eighty three, bearing powers of black magic from deep space. How's it going, man? Good. What was that? Here, see if you can guess it one more time. Bearing powers of black magic from deep space. Uh, Star Crystal? I don't know. <laughs> I, I pulled that. I haven't seen it before, but I pulled that from um, uh, Extra. Ah, yeah. So big that fan. makes sense. That's. I know that's. that might be, you know, like Needle in a Haystack. I, it was the most interesting line I found from like a, a trailer. I was like, maybe you'll guess it. What, nope. What's that movie you just mentioned, Star Crystal? I remember, didn't you cover that with um, Dan with from TYTD Reviews? Yes, that's it's like uh, how best it's like a reverse ET. It's one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen, and <laughs> I I admire it for its ambition of trying to be a reverse ET. But I don't. I think inherently that that concept does not work. <laughs> I I listened to the episode. 
uh, without seeing it or without any intention of seeing it. Probably never will, but I watched the trailer and that was pretty intense. I think that was like all I needed to get from it between that and you guys <laughs> talking about it was pretty fun. So, yeah, I don't know if, uh, like how deep you are into watching trash, but it's, I mean, it's pretty low budget, obscure bullshit. Speaking of trash, I just watched, all right, the ones of Brace Yourself. I just watched The Running Man for the first time the other night. Oh, nice. <laughs> that is the most 80s movie I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Pretty 80s, but did you like it? It was fine. I mean, it was it was entertaining for what it was. Arnold is just at his absolute worst, in my opinion, in that movie. Richard Dawson, surprisingly, with an absolute masterpiece <laughs> performance. I thought he did a great job. He pretty job much in that played movie. himself, though. I only know yeah, him from family. He good. <laughs> he, yeah, he, I mean, he play, pretty much played that, like, just scum it up a little bit more. Yeah. Always rub me the wrong way how he kisses everyone on the fucking lips. It's like so weird. Everyone's wife and then his even his son and shit. Like I don't I didn't think he did it with the boys. I thought he just did it with the gals. He, he did it with his son. Dude, there's this clip. Him I don't know why I know this. His like <laughs> son and daughter, his whole family like surprised him one episode. Like it was his birthday or something. And I guess he never like celebrates it or he's always busy, busy doing shit. They came onto the show on air surprised him he's crying and shit and but yeah his son who looked like he was either between 22 and 35 came did a full-on man lip to lip face to face kiss i was like ew like a bird man lil wayne <sighs> yeah <laughs> and he would do it with like little or girls who like we know. 10 10 year old girls it's so fucking weird in hindsight i'm i know it's been about I'm sure it was fucking Adelaide. weird at the time too. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I I've never kissed my daughter on the lips, and I never will. Yeah, it just it feels wrong. Like I can see little boys and their moms until a certain point, but even then, that's you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. But dude, have you guys ever heard of the fucking song "Butterfly Kisses"? Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> You've heard it. It's horrific. If you've ever been to a, a wedding with a gal who has like weird, a weird close connection with her dad, they probably play yeah. it for the father daughter dance. Bonus points if they're like country. It's so hmm. cheesy and just oh man, it's over the top. Yeah. Like a Randy Travis. It, you're not far off. Yeah, I think it's somebody even shittier. But yeah. That came up because what was it? I think there's a there's a horror like found footage type movie called I think it's called Butterfly Kisses. Yeah. And like not relating to that song of not getting to kiss your daughter on the fucking face anymore or the lips anymore. Um, <laughs> it's actually a really good found footage horror, like a like a hidden gem. It's like legit scary and like actually really well done. But um oh yeah, I found this guy in the garage. I wanted to revive him. I don't know if I showed you this, Chris. He's he's taking out his <laughs> I think you did. Did I? Or maybe you had it on one of your episodes where you're just showing Steve and yeah. playing yeah. the sound. It was around like Halloween. I yeah. nerfed the on off on button, so I have to like take out the battery to get it to stop. But did you watch the Cormorant yet? No. Uh I was telling Steve <laughs> off air that I had family in town over the weekend, so the only things I watched were uh Fast and Furious. I was putting that on in the background. 
Oh, yeah. nice. Like the entire franchise, you just like before people start hurting each other, you just started with one. And well, it's all about 10. family. If we learned anything yeah. from Fast and the Furious, we only made it through the first three, but the third one's the best anyway. So, <laughs> is that is the third one Tokyo Drift, or is that the second one? Yeah, you are correct, sir. Tokyo Drift. Tokyo okay. Drift. I think that's where I gave up. I tapped out at Tokyo Drift because so, you knew they would never make a better one. <laughs> well, after. My favorites too. There was like a four year break. Like that Tokyo Drift killed the franchise for like five years. So it makes sense. Yeah. It was really bad. Oh, what's his face from Tool Time was in it? Zachary Uh, Ty Bryant. Bryant, Yeah. (laughs) Brad. He sure was. Does he play a bad guy? I can only assume. Oh, yeah. He plays the high school jock that has driving his daddy's Viper. Yeah. God, that it's the very trash. beginning of the movie. It's the reason the main character gets sent to Japan to live with his dad. He's like drag races this jock kid, and they all get into an accident. <laughs> yeah, he always plays yeah, little shits like that. He was a little yeah. shithead in First Kid. Remember oh, that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was also in a uh, sci-fi original where he played Thor, and <laughs> he did not work out for the role. Yeah, it was just his same like doughy, toe-headed self. Yeah, he does a very hateable phase. Yeah, first kid. Yeah, after (laughs) what's that? First First kid. Fuck yeah, yeah. Is that the one where uh, Sinbad is like a presidential detail? I haven't seen it, but I remember the commercials. Oh man, yeah, it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that house guest that was like, and Jingle All the Way. That's like the the holy trinity of Sinbad there in the mid nineties. That just fucking he was on a roll. You ever seen the Cherokee Kid? Oh yeah, with A Martinez. Fuck yeah, <laughs> that's on my list of Western movies to watch this year, dude. I remember there was like right then we had HBO for like a year or two, and I think it was when that came out. It was like ninety six or ninety seven or ninety eight, and I've watched the <laughs> shit out of fucking some HBO that that summer, and that was like a, a direct to HBO flick. It's actually really good. Like I, it's legit a good good time. Yeah, but going back to the Fast and the Furious franchise after the second one and um, Tyrese's ejecto cedo cuz, <laughs> that's that's the pinnacle for me. So, okay. Well, transitioning from that to the, the Zodiac, or you said you, you had something else you wanted to preface with, Steve yeah. Dog? Yeah, this is something that I've, I've been reading a little bit about, and I, I'm glad Chris is on for this one because I want you both to kind of put your – conspiracy theory hat on not not quite your full tinfoil hat but yeah it's just a couple interesting news stories that seem to overlap and i'm curious to hear what you think about it if anything it could be could be nothing but so are either of you familiar with the story of anna walsh she's the woman who went missing in connecticut over new year's is this like new like this year yeah so a few years ago so and everyone's looking at her husband uh, I think there's a there's a couple reasons why it got popular in the news. Could have just been slow. She's like an attractive young mom with a bunch of kids. Oh, is this the motherfucker where it's like sound bites of him and they're like, "Sir, why did you Google within 24 hours of your wife's disappearance like yes. how to stop a decomposing body and yeah, super so, incriminating shit." Okay, yeah, I've only I, seen little snippets like that. That's, but God I think that's, damn, is she out of his fucking league? Yes, and I think that plays into why it's getting people's attention yeah his his crazy google search history which i've got uh some of the greatest hits list of 
And also when you hear the story, it just doesn't sound right. That's my opinion. And uh, I'll, I'll take you through it just real quick. We don't have to get too far into the weeds. Well, um, take your time. This Zodiac thing might not pan out. So we might need some pad here. So why don't you yeah, go for right. it? Okay. So Anna Walsh, she was last seen New Year's evening or the morning of New Year's. It's unclear whether it was before or after midnight. And so her husband goes to bed and police are saying, this isn't what the husband says. Well, he says it also, but this is directly from the police. They say that shortly after midnight on New Year's Day, she took a ride share to Boston's Logan Airport for a flight to D.C. to attend to a work emergency is how they describe it. So they lived outside of, I think they, I think they were in Connecticut. So Boston was the closest, whatever. So in the middle of the night, she flies from Boston down to D.C. to attend to a work emergency. She works for this company. She's a regional general manager of this real estate company that's called Tishman Spire. Does that ring a bell to either one of you guys? That does sound familiar. They're a huge like real estate investment development firm. Mm-hmm. I think they built the new Yankee Stadium, and they also just kind of buy up really expensive property oh, all damn. over the world. And so it's 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 like a big a Black thing. Rock or something. Yes, they actually they're similar to them. Okay. So so she works for them, and it and they're they're a big deal, right? So. This was on the first. Um, he never reports her missing. The head of security for her employer called the their local police department on the 4th, January 4th, to request a welfare check saying that, strange detail number one, her car was in Washington, which is unusual. I wonder if they mean it's a rental because she flew there. And that she was last seen days earlier. What does that mean? Was she seen in Washington? Or does that mean she hadn't been seen since the New Year's party, which is what she attended with her husband and there were some other friends there and that this head of security, which it's also strange that the head of security would be the one calling police, in my opinion, not like her boss or like a friend that she works with. So uh, they also say that when they contacted her husband, he had, he hadn't filed the missing persons report. So, you know, the, the wheels of the investigation start turning. Cops go to talk to her husband. Her husband, his name's Brian. As you saw, he's a really dopey looking dude and she's a pretty young lady. Uh, he says that he's just been kind of babysitting the kids the last few days. And the only place he went was, I think, a juice bar the, on New Year's Day. And then he took the kids to get ice cream on a different day. Uh, we'll find out later that the reason why he's been spending a lot of time at home is because he's on home confinement for uh, a previous charge that we'll get into in a second. So they say, no, we have it on good authority that you went to the Home Depot and spent $450 on just cleaning supplies the day that she goes missing, which I don't know about you guys. I don't think I've ever spent that much on cleaning supplies in my entire life. No, unless he's like fucking uh, renovating a house or... Yeah. Um, So initially they arrest him for misleading cops and lying about what he was doing, but they they don't charge him with murder just yet. But what's interesting to jump around a little bit, the reason he's on home confinement is he had been selling fake Andy Warhol paintings on eBay for for tens of thousands of dollars. It sounds like he bought a couple legit ones and then had forgeries reproduced. So he might've had documentation for the originals that he was using to kind of bolster the fakes. So he's on home confinement, presumably with a GPS tracker, which is strange that they wouldn't have all of that information immediately. And if you look at the the surveillance video or pictures that they released of him at Home Depot, whoever this person is at Home Depot is wearing surgical gloves and a mask. And you can't, you can't tell who it is at all. So if if your, if your spider senses are tingling 
a little bit, you know, that's not necessarily definitive. So then they go to his house and they're searching around his house and not on his computer, but on one of his kids' iPads, they find some troubling Google results where if you have two minds of this, one would be this guy's just an idiot who thinks he's smart by using his kid's computer. On the other hand, the conspiratorial part of your brain might be thinking, if I was going to try to frame somebody for killing their wife, what types of things would I say I found on their on their Google search history? You know, and I look up fucked up shit all the time, so I I would probably have to answer some some tough <laughs> questions if somebody was to look at my stuff. Yep. But some of some of the the things he searched for were how long before body starts to smell, ten ways to dispose of a dead body if you really need to, how long how long for someone to be missing to inherit. Can you throw away body parts? Can identification maybe made on partial remains? Uh, dismemberment and the best ways to dispose of a body. How to clean blood from wooden floor. Is it better to throw crime scene clothes away or wash them? Hacksaw, best tool to dismember. Like these are so unambiguously Yeah, obvious. pretty on the nose. Yeah. Can you identify a body with broken teeth? What happens to hair on a dead body? Can baking soda make a body smell good? So... They, they have this really troubling search history. And then they find in his basement blood and a damaged blood-stained knife, which seems kind of unusual that this guy who is on GPS monitoring is somehow able to kill, dismember, and dispose of his wife's body. They haven't found any of her body parts, but he leaves a bloody knife in his basement. Did they Have they been able to identify that blood as being hers? Yeah, Not that I've seen. Okay. That'd so, be interesting. Yeah. He's, he's, he's at the same time, the dumbest, most clumsy criminal ever. And also a mastermind that somehow thwarted being tracked with GPS the entire time. And I saw, I saw a report that they think that where he, wherever he took his wife's body parts, they were incinerated. I don't know what kind of municipalities are burning their trash, but I, I don't think it's very common. So put a pin in that there's a, there's a, somewhat related story that's older that I hadn't heard get as much play. And this was in, this was in Washington, DC, I think like six or seven months ago, there are these two guys named Haider Shell Ali and Arian Teherzada. Okay. So they were arrested for impersonating federal agents with the department of Homeland security. And the way the way this all came to be is pretty funny. So they were living in this apartment complex that had a shit ton of other like government workers, like FBI, CIA, you know, all of the all of the alphabet boys and all of these government agencies. And they they ingratiated themselves into these groups, claiming that they worked for DHS and they were involved in the January 6th commission or whatever. And everybody's just like, oh, yeah, OK, so. Welcome aboard. Um, yeah. Uh, they never paid rent. And <laughs> so people were asking the building managers, like, what the fuck is going on? They're like, we, well, I mean, we believe their story that they were government employees, which right off the bat is like, well, okay, that doesn't mean they get free rent everywhere. So that's strange. Um, <laughs> there's also reports that building management provided the duo with access to their surveillance system and codes to all their access control doors in the building. I guess thinking that if they're if they're law enforcement that they can help with security or I don't fucking know what the rational explanation is for that. But these guys also um, 
were attempting to get in close with Secret Service agents specifically, and they started giving them all kinds of shit. Like they would take them out to dinner, buy them TVs, phones. They were giving them guns. They were giving them other apartments in this complex that they were also not paying for. <laughs> and the fuck? two or sorry, one at least one of the Secret Service agents that they were getting close to was on Jill Biden's personal security detail. So they're getting closer and closer to to the inner circle of the government, right? And it's super weird because the these other people that they're lying to, they're not dumb, you know, they're not lying to people in other industries. If if you're like, oh, I work for DHS and we're doing the January 6th stuff or whatever, these other government employees might have questions like, oh, interesting, where are you working? You know, there would probably be follow-up questions that they're, that they're able yeah. to pass this, even if it's just a rudimentary sort of sniff test. So yeah, this this seems like incredibly fucking easy for them to do. Whereas like I've heard, you know, like stolen valor shit of people pretending uh-huh. to be, and like a dude who never got past like corporal, you know, or like a specialist in the army would grill a motherfucker of stolen valor and hit him within 30 seconds of like all kinds of acronyms and like really specific shit that even low people on the totem pole in the service would, they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's clearly a fake. So you, I would hearing this is kind of blowing my mind because I've heard those kinds of things. And the, and at this echelon of like specialized law enforcement, these guys are just like, yeah. And it's in DC. So so weird. Everybody know, you know, all of these circles sort of overlap. So, these FBI guys, they might know somebody in DHS and they could, they could, you would think, go ask them like, hey, do you know these two whatever guys? Um, they're, they're flooding everyone with all these gifts and they're clearly just trying to suck up to these people to, to get in their good graces. So uh, eventually they lived there for like a year and a half with no problem and nobody <laughs> knows what the fuck they were doing, like what they were actually doing. And so at one point a neighbor some nosy fucking do-gooder neighbor happens to look through their window and they see, I think like suppressed what they think are automatic weapons, you know, things that they don't think uh, a random citizen should have. So they called Metro, the police department. So Metro shows up and they're looking at it and these guys give them credentials and Metro's like, okay, yeah, you guys are good and leaves. Nothing comes of it. If they, if they did check on it, well, so there's, there's two possibilities at least. One, they didn't check. They just believed it at face value. Two, everything that we're being told now, how these guys are not actual agents of the state in any way, maybe that's a lie. And so they did check and they're like, yeah, these guys are good to go. And now they're kind of just being disavowed by the powers that be. Yeah. I, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So Metro PD, they leave. Nothing comes of it. These guys is fucking undoing comes at the hand of the mailman. So they were they were finally arrested because a mailman got assaulted in the building and like an inspector for the post office came and were investigating it and just something didn't smell right with these two guys and they just didn't let it go, looked more into it and these mail carriers, dude, they do not fuck around. And <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, they, they. I guess they had identified themselves as members of the Department of Homeland Security's non-existent U.S. Special Police Investigation Unit. <laughs> so, 
That sounds so generic and, yeah. and nebulous that it just might work. It also kind of goes to show how bloated yeah. the, the state has become where it's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm part of the, the DHS's uh, US SPIU. Or it's like, oh, okay, those are a lot of letters. Yeah, so it's so they, fragmented and compartmentalized. It, yeah, and it, it finally rung a bell somewhere. So cops come in, arrest these guys, search the house. They find... Uh, I don't know if you could tell by their names. I, they're of some kind of Middle Eastern descent. I don't know what exactly. But they had both Pakistani and Iranian visas in their apartment. They found a binder that had information on residents of the complex, which included, you know, tons of federal agents, people who are working with the White House, congressional aides, advisors, all this kind of shit. So you, now it's looking more and more like this is an international conspiracy. These guys are planted here for some sort of intelligence purposes, um, either at the behest of an enemy, or it could even be they are actually working for the government in some, like they could be like an internal affairs type of thing, like running checks on these guys to see if they're corruptible, whatever. Who right. knows? And they they're, they got made, so then they have, now they have to burn them yeah. of their so, cover. So they go Harris to Harris watches burn notice. Yeah. They're <laughs> kites. They're just going to get cut loose. Um, so they go to court for, I think they were just charged with impersonating whatever federal judge, uh, ruled that they were not a flight risk. So he went ahead and approved them for home confinement before the trial ended up happening, which is insane because nobody knows who these guys are. They have, they have, uh, you know, passports for foreign countries and that I think they might've even been in different names. I'm not sure. So the, the quote from this judge is a U.S. magistrate judge, Michael Harvey, signed the orders for the two men's release and called the DOJ's claims that the men were dangerous and compromised national security overblown in quotes. <laughs> Even though nobody knows who they are, they've weaseled their way into the inner circles of the Secret Service agent who's protecting the First Lady. And, and so then now everybody, because you're not going to get a lot of answers out of the government, right? They're just going to say it's an ongoing whatever and fuck right off and we'll tell you nothing and you'll like it. So then... Right. People are looking at the um, the building. Three fourths of this is inaccurate. Yeah, so they're looking at the building. Like, what the fuck is going on here? You were not collecting rent from these guys for eighteen months. They were renting out other, you know, penthouse like luxury units, not paying. What the fuck is going on? Are, do you know more than what you're saying? And they're like, we don't. No, we don't. We don't know. So, <laughs> guess guess which company owns. That building. Yep. Ah, Tishman this. Spear. Tishman Spear. And now, it, it's been months now since that whole Plot thing thickens. happened. But, but now, the woman who was in charge of that building has been, has been disappeared. Uh, so, uh, is it possible that this company is being run by some sort of foreign entity? And she's there in, working in concert with these guys to make sure... Who knows? You know, you could you could think of a lot of different scenarios where she knew too much and maybe had to be taken out and or not. Or it could be completely innocuous. And she was just a regional manager for some real estate development firm who got killed by her husband. And he is the worst criminal of all time. <laughs> but dude, I, I, I pulled up a picture. I'm going to share my screen real quick to show you guys what I'm looking at. But uh, yeah, this guy looks really fucking smug. Uh, well, there was a that. lot made of. They were reading some of his Google search results because they ended up they had a, they had arrested him for 
interfering or obstructing or whatever it was. And then I think after they found his search history and the, the bloody knife in the basement, then they charged him with murder. So they were reading. It was at like some preliminary hearing or something. Yeah, look at that face. He was smiling and, when they were reading some of his Google search history, which seems like if I'm being uh, framed and they're reading my Google search history, I might also be like, what the fuck is going on here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> this face that he's giving, though, is pretty perplexing, though, um, because. I mean, what if, what if fit? Yeah. But what? Yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. What are these fucking shoes, though? On one of them, on the left one, if you look at they it close, it looks, it, it yeah, looks like to it me come, it looks like bags yeah. over his feet. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, right. so they're pulling him out of his house, and so they're bagging him. I guess. Okay, I was like, dude, it looks like he was like cosplaying as like a fucking polar bear or something. And he's got like, <laughs> little polar bear booty UGG things. Anyway, okay, that's a non-issue. But yeah, his facial expression, I there's multiple of him. He's got a weird smile going on here. It looks yeah. like cool, calm, and collected. Not he like had, that. He does have a checkered mental health history. I didn't bring up that because I just forgot. But I know, I think he was diagnosed with something in his past. But, I mean, that could be planted information if you want to go the conspiratorial route. Or, or it's just real and everything is as it appears, which who knows. But, yeah, Jim. Did I you also see, too, on January 6th... Uh, Two days after the wife, Anna Walsh, was reported missing, there was a fire at their former home. Yeah. It's like, that's a, just another, I, I don't have anything beyond that, but there it's, and it began in the attic because of pipe damage, quote unquote. Um, yeah. That's just like another wrinkle. Dude, there's so many it's threads weird. to this thing. And it's, it's very weird. It's only happened in the last three weeks. All of this shit has kind of octopused out from it. Well, and if you're going to murder your wife. And you don't file a missing persons report. What what makes more sense? Your wife being like, "Hey, I've got to go to D.C. I'll be there for like a week," and you're like, "All right, whatever. I'll just hang out here with the kids and sell fake fake paintings." Or yeah, if like, if, if you're gonna kill your wife and dump her body and then just sit there and wait for somebody else to report her missing, that's fucking weird. Yeah, unless it wasn't premeditated. If you just fucking freaked out and decided to murder her one night, yeah. yeah and he's be. like, "Now what the fuck do I do?" Yeah. He should have Googled, what do I do <laughs> <Yeah>. now? <laughs> it's the only thing he didn't fucking Google. <laughs> do I file a police report? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because on one hand, you could be like, oh, you know, I could see someone in the throes of like, um, you know, not knowing what to do or just being like super meticulous and just manic about like what to do. But you could also say, well, fuck, the, the laundry list of searches that you – rattled off was like those are like really specific and a lot of to where i don't i can see this guy not being that thorough at the same time too but there was yeah i don't know this i don't know what to make of this This is like really blowing blistering my fucking ball sack so there was one that i i heard reported but i didn't see it in print where when they came to his house to ask him about his wife to get a description he's like oh she's you know, five to 115 pounds or whatever. And then they said they had one of his Google searches was like, how to dispose of a 115 pound female. Oh, Christ. It, you know, it's just, yeah. it's too, <laughs> it's just too on the nose. Like you said. Yeah. That's, that's. Or not. Or it's just, he's an idiot. I mean, a lot of criminals are really dumb and that's how they get themselves yeah. caught. But I mean, what was this emergency 
she had to go do in the middle of the night on New Year's Day. Yeah, for real estate. Like, because there's a lot of power in that building, you know. So maybe somebody yeah, didn't very, like. Yeah, that's very interesting. That tie, maybe, that connection. Yeah, even if it's not some like a state-sponsored killing of this lady, maybe it was just somebody from one of these other agencies who's like, "Yeah, we don't really like that you allowed these two guys to come in and have free reign of all of our information." So I don't know. Dude, I mean, this region's not a stranger to that kind of shit. There, I mean, we could probably do a whole series of episodes on just weird, like within the nation's capital, like killings and uh, yeah, you know, supposed like you know crazed killer that walks into Starbucks and kills four people. One of which happens to be, I think her name was like Marianne Mahoney or Caitlin Ann Mahoney or something like that. And then it turns out it's like. She, like no money was taken, like nothing. There was no robbery, and she was like double tapped, assassination style, and like she had a bunch of crazy ties to like, you know, the power structure in in Washington D.C. and may have been fooling around with like Chandra Levy. She's kind of the same scenario. Like when she went missing, she was with that Gary Condit dude having an affair with him, and he was on some like high level like. um like appointed to a certain committee that had a lot of uh, top secret type shit at his disposal. So yeah, we could probably, we could spend a lot of time just on that. And it seems like add this one to the pile. I thought at the end, I looked at this, I thought you were going to say um, something else because uh, at the end, it's like this, this investigation and media interest uh, has invited comparisons to similar missing person cases, including that of, Jennifer Farber Dulos, 50, the Connecticut, the Connecticut mother of five who vanished in May 2019. So then, yeah, there's another one right hmm. there that's got some weird. Um, oh, yeah. And then her, that woman's estranged husband, Fotis Dulos, was under investigation for her murder when he died by suicide the following year in 2020. So, Oh, Fotis Dulos. That's a fun name. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fun name. At the same time, though, it's like it's like asking, have you ever noticed how many Chinese people get murdered in China? It's like, well, yeah, of course, like politicians and powerful people get murdered in D.C. because that's where they live. You know, there's just a higher likelihood of that yeah. happening there. Yeah, yeah, that's a, lot of, a lot of corruption. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like uh, it, it's kind of an old stereotype, but like with power comes corruption and you're in the, the capital of power. So it, it stands to reason that it would be the capital of corruption as well right all right well, I'm, I'm sure one day we'll have a full explanation of everything <laughs> that happened so you can take yeah, solace sure. in that um no, no, no. i want to hear it from your lips okay well that was a fun aside i wasn't expecting that that was pretty entertaining i'm i'm curious now to see where where that goes i want to dig into that a little bit further because yeah. that's fucking uh if steve gets intense. disappeared <laughs> We know where to start looking. <laughs> yeah, you for, you forgot to preface all that was supposedly. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. All right. Uh, well, so did that transition, or did you have a segue into this latest, uh, like the Zodiac updates that we're here to talk about, or was that something just fun that you happened to catch in the midst? Um, that was just a little fun aside. Uh, sort of prompted by, I mean, there's really not a ton of meat on this bone of that the new Zodiac cipher, and as right. much of a as much of a true crime fan and serial killer fan 
that I am. <laughs> the Zodiac. Uh, may have said that wrong. Uh, the Zodiac your favorite has, serial killer. <laughs> Zodiac has never really been that interesting to me. Maybe it's just because it's really? so old. Yeah, I don't know. It just never really grabbed me that much. It could be, it could be just because it's so old and unsolved that unsolvable. Some yeah, might say. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't know. It. Yeah, I don't know. And it, it could be the unsolvable aspect of it, where it's like, well, fuck. I mean, I don't know how much into this to I'm willing to even invest my time. If like I don't know in the. Like the the ciphers and the the taunting of police, I like that. That's always fun. But the the killings themselves are really just kind of ho hum. You know, they're they're not anything too sensational, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's also they kind all seem of, very disconnected too. Yeah, kind of. I don't. I don't like, know. It's just never something that I really got into. But who knows? Okay. Yeah. yeah so I'm, let me ask. Let me ask you guys this. I think Jim had mentioned that at least you grew up in sort of this area yeah where a lot of, uh, i don't know about you have probably we, spent time there steve yeah we both did this is a little bit more on the uh western central coast but i think we're both pr- pretty familiar with the area so not as much as like- one not as much as one who would have lived like in that area like within sacramento but like i know vallejo and vacaville pretty well um did San you guys Francisco. like in high school? You're like drinking at Lake Berryessa, and you're like, "Oh, that's where that's where that happened." Or is it? Did you like know of any of these locations, like where any of this stuff happened, or is it just kind of a mundane, like who gives a shit because you grew up with it? I've been to Lake Berryessa. That's closer to like Santa Rosa and like Sonoma, Napa area, like wine country. Because I've had a lot of family in, in and around like Novato, Roner Park, Santa Rosa, which is like that's like if you're gonna go out to the lake and go have fun, you live in that area, you would go to like Lake Berryessa. Um, but it wasn't until much later that I realized like, oh shit, that's where like the most brutal, arguably, uh, of the Zodiac killings took place. Um, and I've actually, I've driven by Lake Herman Road, which is where the first set of killings yeah. was, which it's probably unrecognizable now, um, or it is, because I've seen photos of like black and whites, and it's just like dirt and like a basic ass road. Now you go there, I think the biggest thing, I think there's like a big uh, oil refinery yeah. near there, and it's it's been built up and... Um, yeah, I mean that makes sense because one of the things that he did was like uh, intentionally kill people where like jurisdiction is kind of cloudy. So I had always imagined it would be pretty rural areas where most of this was going down. That's an interesting thing I've always thought was like if this was a singular, truly singular Zodiac killer, it's pretty ingenious to have planned if he did plan this to kill the people where he did, where all those kind of counties. Uh, that are pretty, I mean, at that time were somewhat backwoods, um, as opposed to like when he gets deeper and Paul Stein's murdered in downtown San Francisco, that's, that's a different animal, but to have things kind of like between like Alameda and like Napa and Sonoma counties and Vallejo, uh, I don't know what that county is that like Contra Costa, something, um, it, it is pretty ingenious at that time. Uh, I wonder if he knew and did that on purpose is something I've thought about. It, yeah, so I mean, it pretty seemed ingenious. intentional, but yeah, I was just asking if, cause you know, I lived in Dallas for quite a while and actually like to get on the highway, I had to pass the grassy knoll. Like, so oh, I've driven wow. by it. Trip. 
hundreds, if not thousands of times. So it's just like, I was wondering if you guys kind of had the same feel about some of this stuff where it's like other people that aren't from there might be like, oh, that's cool. But for me, it's like, uh, there's a fucking hill with grass on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like so the most- Texas theater where they apprehended him, like they still show movies and bands play there. So it's not like, there's not really a whole lot of like local reverence for it. Yeah. That's so, wild because I think there, that it would because the JFK thing is like such a huge thing and it was the president who was killed. Whereas like these Zodiacs, I mean, these are people that they're just regular people. Yeah. And the two spots like Lake, like Blue Rock Springs Park, Lake Berryessa and um, Lake Herman Road are all just there's nothing remarkable about those places, really. And even when where Paul Stein, the other I think the last confirmed uh killed by zodiac uh i mean that's just like a random downtown side street in san francisco again nothing remarkable so i think it's like cherry on the corner of cherry street in washington that fuck sounds, if I know that where sounds that, right fuck if i know where that's at but it's not like like hate ashbury where people are getting stoned right. you know that's got more cultural uh resonance than where i'd be interested it, like next time I am in San Francisco to like go by that area and just look at it. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess a long way to answer. I don't think that they're, they're not like culturally, culturally like significant to us or to me at least. No, for me, um, I'm just kind of thinking about this now. It It's like those areas are close enough to where I grew up to where you're sort of always hearing about it. But it's also far enough away where there's not like a, a personal connection for me. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the Bay Area was a 90 minute drive from Sacramento, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't like my backyard or anything. Yeah. And that whole metro area is probably like, I don't know, five plus 10 million people now. If you're grouping in like San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland. Um, oh, it's crazy. All through now. the Delta, all in there. Yeah. It's, it's fucking huge. Good times. You know, they could stand to lose a few people, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, the right people are getting out of California. Fuck. Um, what was I going to say about all this? Um, Is this uh, something that's interested you at all, Jim? Have you ever had a fascination with the Zodiac? Um, I I wouldn't say fascination. It, it's kind of always been in the back of my mind. And I remember at a young age, too, uh hearing about this but then i think it was like 1990 or 92 somewhere in there there was like a copycat or there was a secondary zodiac like the new york one mm-hmm. he ended up getting caught but i can't remember super clear but I, j- I remember that like freaking me out like just the name that hard z like the zodiac killer and he was this weird dude and it was like you hear words like ritualistic and occult and shit like that kind of like like a a, a second wave of like satanic panic kind of thing uh i I remember that sticking with me and then it wasn't probably honestly till the movie um zodiac which i think it rejuvenated the whole um like the like the current zeitgeist of people that are into zodiac and and follow it and stuff that definitely um i mean there's been some old dogs that have been studying this for a long time but that definitely uh revived interest for sure and it did for me too and it wasn't until like years after that where now i'm like firmly in the camp of people who think that robert graysmith is like a shyster and like, <laughs> that's one of the f- things i wanted to bring up yeah it's like i'm pretty interested in it but i th- i think part of what interests me is all the stuff that goes on in the periphery since there's mm-hmm. like 
a Zodiac community and there's like this Robert Graysmith versus Michael Butterfield yeah. feud. That's like any, if you've ever been on like some random message board about like knitting or VCR repair and there's like fucking drama. That's <laughs> what the, that's what, cause I recently, not that long ago, read like this Michael Butterfield has some website that's like Zodiac killer facts.com. Mm-hmm. And there's, some like long diatribe of him like oh yeah robert graysmith he's a fucking liar he's a piece of shit not in such strong language but that's the gist of it yeah i think he's pretty much roundly rejected now by the zodiac community i actually did get into i think what it what it was was uh around like 20 15 maybe 2014 when i first started getting into like podcasts i think i had rewatched zodiac and got on a kick and i fucking downloaded like a shit ton like way too many zodiac podcast episodes and listened to them and i found so not only like you know robert graysmith is infamous for infamous now for writing like the definitive Mm -hmm. uh zodiac book where he points the figure finger at arthur lee allen i even remember like my stepdad in like the early 90s saying like oh oh, yeah they know who zodiac is arthur lee allen killed him i was like oh okay and it's just it's a weird thing that's not accepted like in the like he was never officially called that but uh or named the killer but when i rejuvenated uh my interest in this by watching the movie I, i found there's like this this other um, underground factions of people that you follow or don't follow. So it started with Robert Graysmith and then, yeah, like M- Michael Butterfield's a big, big name, big character in that. And uh, there's another guy called, what's his name? Tom. Tom, like Voight. Yeah. Tom Voight. Uh, another dude named uh, Mike Morford, I think is from an outsider's look at it. It, it looks like this Mike Morford guy is one of the more respectable just like in the way he interacts with others that have conflicting ideas he seems like the most like the least dickhead out of all of them um and then there's a guy that's really interesting to me his name's thomas howard horan and i heard i've so i've listened to a couple podcasts generation y i know you that you know that one steve yeah i hate those guys yeah, they are pretty insufferable bastards, but they have a couple good they have <laughs> a couple them. good episodes. I um, haven't heard it, but tell me how you really feel, Jim. <laughs> uh they had uh Mike Morford on first and he went through a bunch of shit and he knows his stuff. And then they had this Thomas Howard Horn on, and his whole thing is he thinks the Zodiac is a hoax. And he tells you why, like, he thinks all of these are disconnected. He thinks there's like a greater um, police, specifically San Francisco police conspiracy to like drum up, like, whether it's just notoriety or funding or, you know, kind of pick one that they were responsible, some in part uh, with like coordinating some of the killings. Uh, and then also some of the letter writing. This guy, he's got a fucking hard on for a, an old SFPD cop named Hal Snook. If I never hear the the name Hal Snook again, it'll be too soon with this guy. It's like he's got a weird lisp too. So when he says Snook, it, it like kind of does something to me. But um, <laughs> what was the what was- <laughs> boner alert? Dude, the other morning I woke up and I just had that going on in my head. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? 
I don't understand. But um, speaking of what you were just saying, what was the genesis behind? We used to say this to each other: "Fucking false flag." Like, where did that? Where did we start? Why did we start saying that to each other? Like, just something in the news or something? I don't know. I I think it was back when I first found out about like Alex Jones, and I had watched Terror Storm <laughs> for the first time somewhere around there. But I don't know. I always thought that, like you guys were kind of making fun of me because like the that one time like I went on like a two week kick of Alex Jones. Um, I don't remember this is, that. Like, two two thousand eight. Huh. I just watched Terror Storm and like blew blew my fucking ball. I don't off. even know what that is. It's one of his like documentary, like exposing the Illuminati, the the elite, the the inner yeah. cabal. Um, I, yeah, I just remember like some news story would happen, and we'd be like, "Fucking false flag." <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the inception point. It might have been was. like Sandy Hook, Alex Jones era. Yeah, I don't remember for sure though. Yeah, because I remember talking about like the Gulf of Tonkin. And, and all that kind of shit. And, and I remember saying the word, do you guys know what a false flag is? Ah, man, I'm trying to remember what it was, what it was called. But the first time I heard that was there was some like military exercise in Texas during uh, when Obama was president. And people was this freaking, around like 2015? It was a while ago and people were freaking the fuck out. What was that called? It wasn't, it was called, I feel like it was like Spartan something, like 15 or there was some fucking thing. They were like marching through like Oklahoma to like the West Coast and like a bunch of conspiracy heads were like, watch FEMA's mobilizing. They're going to. Yeah. Yeah. It was that thing. I don't even fucking remember what it was. I feel like it was around 2015, but maybe it was more like 2005. I don't. I don't even know how to search for that right yeah, now. Yeah, that doesn't ring a bell to me. It does. I I remember seeing maps and like the conspiracy community like saying some shit, and it was like they're marching through Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, all the way to <laughs> Los Angeles. There's going to be martial law. This I was just deep. like, I'm in fucking North Texas, and I'm eating a Whataburger and drinking a Shiner. <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. <laughs> I've heard Shiner Box a, a good beer. I've never tried it yet though. It's decent. I usually, if, if I go Texas beer, I go Lone Star because I like to drink Swill. <laughs> I thought that was fake. I never knew that was a real thing. Like even in the first season of uh, True Detective, I thought it was like that for like a, a rights thing. They like made up their own beer, like Lone Star. Oh no, it's real and it <laughs> is. Uh, it's great. Um, the thing I liked about it, they don't do this anymore, but on the bottles underneath the cap, they would have like, I don't really know how to explain it. Like a visual riddle. Like uh, an example would be like a picture of an eye, a picture of a heart and the letter U. Like, I don't know how visual riddle. I don't know. Oh, okay. I got you. Which are fun, especially when you're like drinking and everyone's like the fuck. Yeah, no, it's this. It's this. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard, uh, also side tangent for on the food and drink, uh, big red, I knew it. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> is that something that's that's close to your heart as a former Texan? Um. Well, I will. I was never a Texan. I just lived there. But okay. Well, I don't like cream soda. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. Oh, I, I wouldn't like think a, so because it's like red, but gum. it's cream soda. 
Oh shit! I always thought it was like a code red kind of situation because no. it's so fucking red. It's like redder than the devil's dick. There's also big blue, which I think is the same flavor, but it's blue. It's just blue. I thought. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I thought big red tasted like bubble gum, but I can't really. Remember. I've never had it. Yeah, of kind the, of. We we had a buddy who was his mom. I think he was from Texas, or his mom lived there, and he'd go back occasionally. And when it was getting closer. He'd, he'd be like, oh, man, I can't wait to get back to Texas. Big Red and whatever the fuck else regional that he loved there. But yeah, <laughs> Is that, I didn't even know that that was regional. I thought they had that everywhere. It's not in California, that's for sure. I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it in California. Oh, really? I, I have. Okay. Yeah. I would say the regional soft drink in Texas is either Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Everyone loves that. Or Topo Chico. Everyone freaks the fuck out of that, even though it's just like mineral water. <laughs> Sparkling water? Yeah, it doesn't taste any different from any other sparkling mineral water. It's kind of a trip being a California transplant to Indiana because yeah, you go to like a Meyer here, which is like a Target, uh, a Midwestern Target, and their fucking soda aisle just dominates. It's like two Fago everywhere. Fucking Fago <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I'd even take a Schweppes or a Nantucket, Nantucket Nectar. <laughs> <laughs> No, but they, yeah, they have big red everywhere. They have fucking crate, uh, this shit called cheer wine. Actually, I'm a pretty big fan uh, of. Yeah. That shit's pretty tasty. It's like a cherry soft drink. Yeah. Like cherry, cherry as shit. It's pretty good. Almost kind of like grape soda hints. Man, we are, we've gone off the res here. Um, what do you think was Zodiac's favorite soft drink? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just kind of like the Buddy Holly, kind of like, uh, sketch of him. I always think like he'd be like a root beer guy. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like that American, high and tight. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck. horn rim glasses. <laughs> yep. Uh, what was it? Oh, I was yeah. I was talking about the factions. This dude Thomas Howard Horn. Yeah, he he's kind of like a black sheep of this new like uh, of the recognizable names that are doing a lot of research and shit because he thinks that all of this is a hoax perpetrated mainly by the SFPD, um, but also like shared between the different departments. Like, Hey, this makes us look really fucking bad. Um, let's, I, I don't know. Uh, all of his, uh, doesn't know, it make you look even worse if there's a serial killer on the loose writing letters to the paper and threatening to blow up school buses and you never catch him. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but either way, he, he thinks that, 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 for whatever reason, they were trying to point it to one person as one perpetrator where he has like a ton of evidence and things that he points at that these were just crimes that fucking happened. And that even t I think he even makes a leap that like the letters aren't connected to the killings. And, and this is just like like hype or uh, something that whoever wrote them did for to like get off on on a personal level, maybe. Um that's the other thing about all this Zodiac stuff as I was starting to look at it. It's pretty overwhelming because a, it's been fucking 50, 60 years. And there's this, there's been this, uh, you know, newly heightened interest in it like crazy. And it seems to just be ramping up, you know, year over year since, uh, since that point. So like what, 2008, whenever Zodiac came out. And so it's spawned Five. like, Okay. Damn, I thought it was like 2007, but it's, it's spawned, you know, like now there's these like four or five, uh, 
so-called like authorities and it's funny they all have like the same fucking websites like one's zodiackiller.net one's like zodiackiller.site or site.com the other one you mentioned of uh zodiackillerfacts.com yeah zodiackillerfacts so um yeah i mean that's kind of the one of the problems with uh going back to something steve was saying is saying he you were saying you weren't not very interested because it hasn't been solved and is possibly unsolvable that's one of the reasons i am so interested in it but also whenever you have something like that it attracts grifters mm-hmm. which probably at least if, i i don't know anything about these guys but they I all have books you, yeah you can yeah. probably say that they may have good motivations but they're also looking to make a buck oh yeah so it even it behooves them to like I, I mean some of them like oh, this is my favorite suspect right now you know it's William McDuff Andrew and whereas like seven years ago is like this is the definitive it's you know uh, Robert Pikowski or whoever you know like this is who it is and this is why so it actually behooves them for this to keep just stringing out longer and longer and just crumbs well, even- to come out and and make a new case for this is what I think or well because what it was a year or two ago. They came out and were like, we know who it is. We got him. Right. And I kind of just accepted that <laughs> and moved on. And when I was mm-hmm. researching this again, I looked I looked back into that to see if there was any follow-up. And it's like, yeah, we don't think that's him. Like, yeah, on his face. Fuck? I think that are you are you talking uh this is Gary Francis post? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say from what I, my cursory research on like the, the newest updates within the last two years was, so two years ago, they broke the 340 cipher 18 months ago, two years. Yeah. Um, and then, um, a year after they broke the two smaller ciphers. I, I can't remember what the fuck they're called. It's like cipher 75 or 72. It's the one where they speculated for a long time. It's like, this has to be his name cause it's so short like that he hit his name. And so once they broke this 340 cipher, they did a couple variations, but they took like the primer for what they were able to use to crack the 340 cipher and applied it. Use I don't know if like um, some new information came about this Gary Francis Post guy, but I think they reverse engineered it. So they were like, okay, let's try this guy's name and see if it fits within the cipher. And it did. And so that's when they were like, oh, well, shit, what's, what are the chances of that? Like, it has to be this guy. But then I've seen stuff since that point where uh, the, circum- the circumstantial evidence and some of the other things uh, associated with Gary Francis Post don't line up. And so there's, you know, three or four other suspects that are better than him in some aspects. But what the Gary Francis post claim has is that it's involved with this cipher that was, that took 40 or 50 years to get broken. So that gives it a lot of credence in that direction. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I saw something similar where it's like, Oh, if you remove his name from one of these ciphers, it makes more sense, but they never actually provided that information. And there were, they also alluded to like, Oh, and his daughter, whatever, told us this information that he had this thing but it it it, they never followed up like yeah and the police came to check it out and they tested it and yeah it was like we've got all this information but we're not gonna like tell you exactly what it is hmm i think the other thing in all of this too is there's i've heard thrown around like there's some kind of dna 
that they're hoping to test or that's been like really hard to, to try to, uh, to test against the, the little amount of DNA that they have on like the Paul Stein crime scene, which is the one that produced like all the blood and the torn, um, articles of clothing and stuff. Um, but yeah, regardless of what happens, I, and especially as the years go by, like the DNA aspect uh, and like anything physical like that outside of circumstantial evidence is, I mean, that's the only case you could make at this point would yeah. be circumstantial. I mean, the thing is, though, like they they just don't have any confirmed DNA because if you want to go for like the biggest date range, this guy was active from 62 to like 78 I think that like they first identified like double helix DNA in like 1953 or 56. So none of the evidence in this case was handled with the foresight of like right. even knowing that DNA could ever be used. So it's all, you know, if they say they have a latent fingerprint, like that could be anyone. They have a hair sample or saliva, like someone at the San Francisco Chronicle could have fucking sneezed on it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I saw another thing too, that they said through a wrench into all this was the, uh, the practice of reusing stamps, I guess, during this time period in the sixties and like to, through the late seventies was pretty common. And so that, that can give you a lot of false positives or just be another thing to, yeah, you would think would be helpful, but it's just really not, um, yeah, and going back to the smaller ciphers, I think one is like 13 characters and one is 32. Okay. That's just too small of a sample size to ever say you have a definitive solution to it. Right, because when, when they broke the 340, people were excited like, oh, they've done that. They'll be able to crack these next two, you know, like no problem. And then they were explaining how it's like actually that's fucking exponentially harder because – you have less to work with and try to figure with. You just, I mean, you just can't. If there's 13 characters, there's so many possible solutions to it. Yeah, that shit's wild. I did watch uh, this. There, one of the main guys behind the 340 cipher. His name's David Aranchak, and uh, just hearing like him and I think two other dudes. One was like a software guy. Uh, one's like a big coder guy, and then another dude's like involved in this same kind of um, professional world. And they, they all put their heads together and, and ran through all these different iterations and learning about all that shit, that this is stuff that's happened within the last two years was, was all pretty, pretty interesting. If, if anybody's interested because it, it was solved by three guys who kind of just met by happenstance online. One was like a Belgian guy. I think one was an Australian and one was Mm -hmm. an American. I think the Australian guy's name, Sam Blake. Yeah. he put out a super long, really like math heavy article explaining the uh, like the programming that went into solving it. And it it fucking my mind shut off when I was trying to read it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's all out there if you really want to look into it. Yeah, it's super interesting. And there's a couple uh, YouTube clips uh that like really break it down pretty good I, I think it's like the infographics show is the channel they i watched some of their stuff every once in a while it's it's kind of cool to turn your brain off it's all visual and they do a good job at, at hitting you with like a, a 10 to 15 minute kind of cliffs notes on on stuff like this um 
Well, yeah, and and understanding this particular cipher, it's very helpful to see it visually. Like I was trying to think of how to describe just in an audio medium, you know, how they went like down two and then over one and then down, you know. Yeah, and diagonal it, it would help. And all that shit. It would help quite yeah. a bit to to see it. <laughs> Gotta break yeah, the, out my uh, high school algebra and talk about rise and run. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Shit. Yeah, it's like a homophonic substitution cipher that, as Steve said, it starts at like the top left corner, goes down X, goes over Y. I think I just fucked up the axes, but you guys know <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, one thing uh, having no knowledge of this world at all there's there's two different types of ciphers that they can use one is a homophonic substitution where one letter might be swapped for another one or a symbol and transposition in which letters are reordered in in a different way and this was a combination of the two so the symbols and letters represented other things and then they also changed the order which i guess there's a lot of software that you can just plug it in and if it's just homophonic, it'll it'll run it and be like, oh, yeah, this this is this and this is that. And when they've run it, they're like, nope, we don't know what this is. So they had to do like a, a second level analysis. And yeah, that's where these three guys came together. And yeah, because the first one, like the 408 or whatever it was, was solved pretty quickly by just a school teacher and his wife. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the next one he sent, which was the 340, he did. A, much, a more complicated cipher, which is why it took so long to crack. Which is pretty intense. Fucking 50, 51 years. I also, as a quick aside, too, I saw that on one of these, you know, these new faction of Zodiac followers and uh, on a message board that uh, I guess it's a somewhat common conspiracy within this greater conspiracy uh, is something about. Uh, like those two school teachers or the school teacher and his wife. I can't remember their name, Don and Betty Hanson or something like that. Harden. Harden. I knew it was an H. Um, That they're involved somehow or, <laughs> or like they were the ones because it, it was, I think the first cipher was solved in like 12 hours or 16 hours or some shit like that, um, that they point the finger at them. I started going down that rabbit hole and I was like, what am I doing well, with my life I'm- right now? Knowing that, keeping in mind that Robert Graysmith's uh, credibility is possibly called into mind, one of the things in his book that he said that he discovered was that the substitution cipher used in the in the 408 cipher was just lifted directly from a book, like okay. a, an introductory cryptographical book. And hmm. the way that they solved it, even though they didn't have any background in this, was the way that you would solve something, which is using something called cribs, which is where you like infer a word that would be in the text based on the context. And they were like, it's probably, he's probably going to start this letter with, with I because Mm -hmm. he's a narcissistic serial killer and somewhere in it, there's going to be the word kill. So looking for doubles. Yeah. They started looking for doubles to find that double L and they assumed the first letter of the letter of the cipher was I and just worked backwards from there. So, I mean, it's not something that's super sophisticated. If, if they hadn't cracked it, certainly someone else would have. Right. Um, yeah. So I wonder if if they if it is like a false flag and these teachers solved <laughs> it, if the teacher solved it super fast, the, the cops went back to him like, hey, um, 
can you make us one like this, but make it way better, please? <laughs> yeah. This is getting into like the uh, Sasquatch as an interdimensional being level of conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's just gone down an extra layer. Um, or they could, have even, wondering- they could have even been unknowing participants if the cops came to them and said like, hey, um, what would be oh, like yeah. a really tough cryptograph to, so- you know, like what would be yeah. if, if you were trying to make one that was unsolvable, what would you do? And they, they could have been like, I don't know, I would have combined these two different types and maybe done it like this. And yeah, to throw and they, off they like just took that info like back. That. And yeah, who knows? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. Look at the big brain on Brad. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting. So since like I, I this is just a, a quick laundry list since like two, 2014, these four or five people have come up as possible or, um, and they were kind of like the flavor of the month. Like this is the Zodiac uh, until like two years later. They're like, oh, okay, we think it's this guy for sure. So it's been more recently, uh, Gary Francis post uh, Earl Van Best Jr. Does that name ring any bells? I remember that one kind of in the, in the cultural lexicon being thrown around. That was like a gal. It was her, a guy or a gal. It was their estranged father that they like, like they were, they found some shit in an attic or something like that. Yeah. They were like retraced the steps to find out who their dad was. And they found some like weird shit, some incriminating stuff. And they were like, Oh, and then, then people kind of jumped onto that bandwagon. We're like, Oh, he, he could be the Zodiac. And, um, another dude named guy word, <laughs> G-U-Y-W-A-R-D, Guyward Hendrickson, um, Jack Terrence, Ross Sullivan, Ed Edwards. Yeah, he's fucking lashing out at his parents for fucking naming him Guyward. Yeah, that's <laughs> never heard that one before. I thought Wayman Tisdale had it bad. Um I guess question two, uh since you know the the Zodiac movie uh I think probably kicked off for all three of us uh, uh, a heightened interest in this. What do you guys think of that movie uh, in general? Did you Top like it? Top 10. Love it. Hell yeah. Steve Dog. I'm not even sure if I saw it all the way through. I mean, no, it's been How discussed. It's been discussed on the show a couple times where, yeah, it's one of the <laughs> hardest times I've ever laughed. One of my roommates yeah. had to freak out <laughs> post watching that movie. Um, but I don't think I saw it all the way through. It's good. It is long, and it, it, I feel yeah. like you can feel the length of this one at two and a half, two, two hours and 40 minutes, but I don't think it overstays its welcome. Um, this is I one I, I like to flash back every couple of years to it. I used to watch it constantly, and I was just talking to my significant other about this, and she's like, remember when you used to watch that all the time? I was like, yeah, until someone, meaning her, <laughs> told me I couldn't watch it every week. <laughs> I mean, really, the only thing, the the only knock I have against that movie is just a function that it's based on a true story is that there's really no resolution. Right. So it kind of, it's, you watch they it for really like two and a half hours it. and it peters out. They really want to fucking make it seem that way, though, at the end of this movie. Not yeah. only with like that, that interview where it, it makes it pretty clear, like, oh yeah, for sure. But then they put the, the cherry on top at the end with old Mike Majot coming in and yeah. saying, oh, yeah, that was him, like 15 year, years later. And he's like strung out and just wants to get the fuck out of there and get paid. Um, but, yeah, I 
this is one that uh do you put this in your your uh so-called uh holy trinity of mark ruffalo and files or is this kind of on the periphery of that okay it is because even though he's he's tangentially related to the files even though he's not the one really looking at through them in this one (laughs) you follow him and anthony edwards pretty like you're gumshoeing it up with them for a good chunk which that's probably one of my more favorite parts like them following them around cruising around and then also like gyllenhaal and uh robert downey jr palling around yeah and that's a one of the things when I was talking about like the stuff on the periphery is more interesting is like, I don't know if you guys ever knew, like heard that there was a, a Zodiac letter in like 1978 that they got that they, a lot of people thought was written by Dave Toski. Yeah. And that's what kind of tarnished his before that uh, kind of unstained reputation and like, yeah. And they also like based the character bullet from the Steve McQueen movie off of this guy. Right. I remember they throw that in in the movie where, what's his face, uh, Hall looks at him and he thinks he's so cool because he's got like that understrap, like, uh, gun holster, you know, like under, you know, where you yeah. put the thing on, like, uh, Danny Gloves has in the Lethal Weapon fucking series. So that's another point in those, fa- in that favor. He, he wears that bullet Dave Toshi style, which I always thought that's fucking cool, man. I always liked that when they put on that that like understrap thing. Yeah, it's weird to think that that was like a signature style for this dude because that's like a pretty. I mean, I used to have one of those when I had a 1911, but that's like a pretty standard type of holster to buy these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seemed like at least the way they portrayed Toski in the movie, uh, he didn't really give me like like badass vibes. He seemed more of like you are a fucking bow tie for one thing. Yeah, that's that was a huge knock against him. But a, a Ruffalo being Ruffalo was was able to like transcend that. But yeah, he just seemed more of like an, an investigative, like a Columbo kind of guy, minus the charisma, for sure. And one of the things I talked about on like the very not the very first, but the first Channel eighty three podcast I did with my friend that didn't end up actually airing was like, yeah, two out of the three people in this have been in the MCU. So we got to wait for Jake Gyllenhaal and then we'll have the trifecta. And since then <laughs> he, was he has been in Mysterio. <laughs> yeah. But I guess if you are of such and such high profile, you will eventually be in an MCU movie. Unfortunately, it's like, or, a, or fortunately for you because you get paid tens of millions yeah, of dollars to stand in front of a green screen. Yeah. You're getting fucking cheesed up. I don't think I've buddy. seen Single, John Kenyon would say. I don't think I've seen a single MCU movie. The only one I've seen willingly was Iron Man when it came out. And I like that. Iron Man's pretty good. But I fucking hate everything since then. Um, Damn. So you, you need to check out Zodiac, dude. It's a good flick. It's by David Fincher, the dude who did Fight Club 7. So it's got yeah. that going for it. Um, yeah, it's a really good flick. I almost watched uh, Nightcrawler. You should. Ooh, good last one. night, but Very time, good. time got a little short on me, so it's on my list. It's a weird one. It's like, I didn't know what to expect going into it, but it, it almost has kind of like a horror kind of vibe. It's got, it's... All right, that's enough. I'm going to watch it's it. It's a so. good, it's good. Hall's great in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Paxton's great. Me, 
Yeah, it, it, it kind of caught me by surprise, like a lot. Me and my wife really, really enjoyed that one. But um, yeah, you should watch Zodiac, man. Fuck. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of my faves too. And it's it presupposes that Robert Graysmith was just like, like this was the definitive guide and um i mean i think i think he did have some clashes um fincher did and he put his own stamp on a couple things but for the most part he kind of follows that book i I don't know what the name of the book is but it's just called zodiac okay it's like the definitive and i come to learn like later on i think um after it was written, there was actually law enforcement that used it as a reference and like a main um, uh, kind of uh, guide to to navigating the investigation, um, which is kind of weird to think about. Um, but, oh, another side question, too, related to this. Uh, what's your opinion of Fincher's uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Are you a fan of that, Chris? I think we've talked about this before. I've never seen it. Fuck. Yeah, if you like Zodiac, you I think you'd dig it. It's it's real good. Have you ever seen that one, Steve? It's kind of a shot in the dark. Yeah, not. I think I have. It's been a long time. If you're a fan of Zodiac, just like on a on a pure like outside of the Zodiac, but just that film in general, I think uh you would dig um The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I like that one a lot. That one's got a good rewatchability. It's like it's another two and a half hour kind of venture, uh, and it's definitely Fincher style, and it's it's great. I don't think it gets enough love. Um, do you have anything else on like uh, in terms of like anything recent beyond the three forty cipher on this case, Steve? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's so funny because me and Jim were talking on Instagram. I thought we were going to be recording this on Saturday. And he's just like, uh, no, Thursday, but don't worry. Steve Steve knows his Zodiac stuff. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't fucking care about this. He let off with like, this is not interesting to me. Yeah, it's it was a wild assumption, pretty much. I just wanted to record. Um, I didn't want to have to wait till Saturday and move stuff around. So that, For you, that was the an action assumption. is the juice. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I kind of whiffed on that one there. Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think. I mean, I think the only thing that really came from this is that if the solution is correct, which um, I'm not a cryptographer, I don't have the credentials to say no. You guys are fucking wrong. So let's just accept that it is. Um, there is an incident that is portrayed in the movie Zodiac where someone claiming to be the Zodiac killer called into, I don't remember what show it was, but it was some talk show. And they also had this lawyer, Melvin Belli, who I guess was like the sixties, Johnny Cochran. He was -hmm. just like a a lawyer that was nationally known here in the U S. The only thing that came from this cipher solution is that that was not him because that's what the solution says. Like I wasn't calling. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber. Yeah. Jim Dunbar. I liked uh, Brian Cox in that role of Melvin Belli. I liked I liked him a lot. Yeah, I don't know he's, if he, he's a good guy. I don't know if he captured like the essence of of the real life, but I thought he was good in the movie for his his part. Um, yeah, and and one thing not to circle back too much. The first cipher that they discovered when I uh, was doing a little research, 
it ends with a sort of nonsensical string of letters. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were never able to like, yeah. plug in. Yeah, weird. Hmm. A lot of people speculate that it's like an anagram for his identity, um, but more likely it's just junk letters thrown in there to make the solution more difficult. Lewis Friend. Fool's gold. <laughs> One of them was like such and such the hippie, was someone was saying. That's what it stood for. I want a window. I want to see a tree. <laughs> but yeah, I've uh, I've fucking listened to Robert Graysmith's book quite a few times. That's what I used to fucking listen to that to go to sleep. Oh, There's wow. One, one story that uh, my significant other likes to tell is we were camping in Durango, Texas, and or Durango, Colorado, rather. And uh, it's just like pitch black outside, and I get a campfire going, and I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, let's listen to Zodiac on the iPod. <laughs> and there's like s- some fucking family of like a husband, a wife, and like a- an eight year old kid and a 10 year old kid in the cabin next to us. They're probably like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> These fucking creeps. This, this guy's going to kill us. <laughs> Just trying to grill my Hebrew nationals and listen to Zodiac. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, this one, it just, it, it, it's it's so interesting, and then when you get into it, it's like first of all, you have to. It seems like you have to kind of subscribe to one of these factions, whether it's like Michael Butterfield, this Mike Morford guy, the Tom, Thomas Thomas Howard Horan. Um, I know I listened to a couple, and the more I listen to Thomas Howard Horan, who's also a professor uh, of English, he he's charismatic is probably not the right word but like the way he speaks about it and his passion and kind of seemingly no nonsense uh approach to and his uh theory that the zodiac case is a hoax and he's like I, there's much better suspects for you know the lake herman road shooting and there's these three people he's kind of like he looks at he's looked through like eleven thousand pages of like police reports like shittily like xeroxed copies from different departments that he's like pieced together and, and magnified and, and tried to improve. And just, he's gone through all those things and he's come up with this theory, but then he was on with this guy, uh, generation Y, I think also facilitated this. They brought him and Mike Morford on and they talked and it was like a fucking three hour podcast. And the Thomas Howard Horan guy, he kind of backslid a lot and he gave, I don't know if he's just like an agreeable person or that's how he was on the interview, but the Mike Morford guy, who's very much a, this is one person, a singular Zodiac who did it. And I can't remember who his, I think it was Ross Sullivan maybe, or Richard Gajkowski was his, his guy that he was his, his horse that he was riding at that moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this horn guy just totally kind of like gave a lot of ground to him, which I, I thought was kind of weird. So I didn't know what to think. But yeah, this, it, it, especially since the proliferation, I guess there was a big FOIA case, like uh, that one individual paid a lot of money for and didn't really do anything with. And it, just kind of like, here you go. And so since, and that comprises like, you know, uh, those 11,000 documents there. I mean, they're all out there. You can go look and look through them. And so I guess that, that part's pretty interesting that, that some of these people have taken it 
upon themselves to like actually go through it, whether they're in it for the money. And I mean, they're all writing books about this. That's the other thing you look up how many books have been written in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's like, which one do you pick? And like, it's like your mind can't handle that many different possibilities and theories. And, and it's a case that's fucking 60 years old. You know, you, your brain can only make room for enough, but um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Cause you guys are more into true crime. I think than I am. But don't you think that the it was a conspiracy by the police is just a convenient excuse that gets thrown around a lot? Because I've also heard the exact same thing in regards to like the Atlanta child murders and other things where it's like this city has a crime problem. The media picks up on it and they start saying it's a serial killer. And then the police just sort of railroad some guy. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, we're doing something about it. Yeah, that makes sense in that instance for sure. The the Atlanta child uh, murders, but like this one, it's it's weird because it's still an ongoing investigation to like the San Francisco PD, and you know they haven't tried to to bury it. Um, it's still a cold case, but um, yeah, like to your point earlier when. Um, like this Thomas Howard Horn who thinks that it's a hoax. And he also, he, he starts going further later on in his, his uh, career covering this stuff. He starts looking really hard at, um, you know, this being like an inside job. And, and I, that's, that's something I can't comment and comment on coherently. Like, like his reasoning for that, whether it was like notoriety, more funding. Um, I don't know, but it seems counterintuitive why they would want to, um, like if the cops were involved with it, like string it out and make it this kind of big protracted thing without a definitive answer. Um, but yeah, that I, I was totally unaware of that. Um, the Atlanta child murders till I saw, I think season two of, uh, mind hunters. Have you seen that at all, Chris? That's also a Fincher. I think he's the showrunner, which we, nah, had. I don't watch just, TV unless it's everybody loves Raymond. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Mindhunters is dope. It's uh, Fincher. Uh, he's the showrunner. I know we talked about that in an early episode. I don't know what the fuck that means really, but. Um, We're in the really era good. of the showrunner. Showrunners are known people now. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you can, it's, it's got uh, some of his essence on it, uh, but it's just a good show. Um they, they touch on in the second season, <laughs> like the latter half. What is it in 40 year old virgin where they're going through that porn box and Paul Rudd's like, that's just, that's just a good show. I think it's everyone. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think, it, yeah is. it is. Isn't it? <laughs> that's just a good show. <laughs> is it like boner jams? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, I just, I haven't seen any TV show. I've never seen breaking bad game of Thrones, Seinfeld, Basically, in anything that is talked about. I, I'm kind of that way, but I eventually crumble and I fold, and then I'll come back and I'll forget it was recommended. I'll be like, hey, have you ever heard of this show called Game of Thrones? <laughs> we talked about that in an early episode. Steve, I think for years, tried to get me. I was like, yeah, I remember all that, that fantasy horse shit. And like, I was Ugh. listening to that in Sweden, and I was like, yeah, I agree with everything. Like, don't fucking watch that. <laughs> Because I, you know, am idiosyncratic where I can't just like watch part of something. I have to watch all of it. And then there's yeah. a very real chance, and Game of Thrones is a perfect example, that it, it ends will. up shitty. 
Yeah. Because most people hate the last season of it. Watch Breaking I'm Bad. Of two mi- I'm Break- of two minds about it, but yeah, it's definitely one that if you let it, it will let it, it will sink its hooks into you. Just watch Breaking Bad. It's good. I did watch an episode of like season four of Better Call Saul this week, this past weekend when other people were in town and wanted to watch it. The only thing I see from that show is like a gif of Walter White fainting. That's oh, that's yeah. what I see the most often. Or the one of him in like the uh the fucking yellow chemical suit and he goes up and he boops you like he's just booping the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Not the familiar. Pizza, the pizza on the roof. You look like you wanted to say something, Steve. I do. I have a <laughs> I have a <laughs> say something. It's not a colloquial corner, but it's a phrase colloquial corner. I don't know if you want to hit the intro or if we should just go right into it. The colloquial corner. Yeah, Yeah, so I neglected to bring it up last (laughs) week because there was a lot of talk of like child, sex, rape, kidnapping. Yeah. It was a lot of a bummer. Yeah. So I saved it for this week. Um, <laughs> do you, do you guys know where Corcoran state prison is in California? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I that, thought Jim might, cause it's central California. I think you yeah. guys talked about it on one of your Coors Light Chronicles, but I, I had never heard of it. Yeah. It's like, it's like a lower, like, uh, lower inland central California so it's like a this strip of shithole in the Central Valley, like just south of like Tulare. If anyone's familiar, it's like smack dab in the middle of Bakersfield and Fresno, outside Kettleman City and Colinga. All right, so it short... may as it may as well be like Death Valley. Yeah. Short story: guy named Jonathan serving a light sentence, life sentence, killed two child molesters in one day. Damn. Both good. Good for him. Yeah. Oh, ground rule double. <laughs> <laughs> That's a two-run bomb. Uh, both child molesters were serving life sentences for aggravated sexual assault of a child under 14. So. Fuck. So. Well. He was. Good for him. This man was transferred to a lower security prison. <laughs> and he warned the officials like, hey, um. I'm going to fuck these guys up if you don't keep me away from them. And he took exception that one of the offenders, David Bob, was watching a a children's television show <laughs> and he could see that. Oh, that just set him the fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, initially he saw that. And then a couple days before he killed the shit out of those two guys, they they set his security classification down. So he could be with the like the normal people on a pod, and <laughs> I wonder how much of that was intentional. Well, he sent a letter to my, I guess the warden or whatever, and was like, "This is a bad idea. I don't think I don't think you're gonna like it." And then his quote is, "I could not sleep having not done what every instinct told me I should have done right then and there. So I packed all my things because I knew one way or another the situation would be resolved the following day." So. He's prepping. He knows what's about to happen. And then two hours before the attack, he told a prison counselor that he needed to be he needed to be transferred back to high security before I really, in quotes, fuck one of those dudes up. But the counselor scoffed and dismissed him. 
And then this is another quote. He said, I was mulling it all over when along came molester number one and he put his TV <laughs> right on PBS kids again. Wow. But this time someone else said something to the effect of, is this guy really going to watch this shit right in front of us? And I recall saying, I got this and I picked up, <laughs> he picked up the cane of a fellow inmate and went to work on him in his, in his words. So he beat the shit out of that guy who who died that day. Um, but we're, we're getting to the colloquial fun. We're getting to the fun part. Did you say okay. this Jonathan guy was a lifer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's in jail for murder. So Watson said he then left the housing pod to find a guard to turn himself in after beating this guy to death. But on the way he saw a quote, known child trafficker. And I figured I'd just do everyone a favor Watson wrote, and here's the hell yeah. Here's the phrase that I think you'd love because he said he just beat this guy to death. He knows he's fucked. He's going to tell the warden on his way. He sees this other guy who's a known child molester, and he said, "In for a penny, in for a pound." So he beat that guy to death. Also, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's <it>. baseball. <laughs> have you have you guys seen Scared Straight? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh this week in Echolalia. If whenever Steve said I'm in here for murder, every time I think hear that, I think of a quote from the uh, '70s, Scared Straight, where the dude's like, "I'm in here for murder, kidnapping, robbery, armed robbery, breaking a, a dude's jaw and breaking his woman's both her goddamn arms." Damn, that makes me think of the uh, the one. Did you ever watch the one? It was like either in. It was like on MTV, the revival. Oh, of that, yeah. Like 96 or 99. And Tom Segura does a stand up yep. about that. And the best part is that I had seen that scared straight <laughs> and he's not doing a bit at all. He's just verbatim no, saying what they're yep. doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold my pocket. <laughs> the fuck you took. Yeah. The fuck you took is a an echolalia of mine that kind of goes in and out. Bites. I I love his description, Segura's, when he's talking about, and like, you know, my wife will go, will be like by a bike shop <laughs> and she knows what's about to happen and says, you get one. <laughs> like, one of my big ones that I've, I've never let go of is when my wife fr- from um, uh, Don't Be a Menace, <laughs> when uh, he's like, ah, my neck, my back, my neck and my back. <laughs> if they're like my wife says anything involving a back or neck she's like oh fuck and i just i have to like my neck and my back like i she put the quarter in the jukebox joe mace yep yeah exactly my uh my thing from that movie is the fucking you king you <laughs> r.i.p bernie mac rip to a real one yeah fuck he's good in uh life i loved him in life too oh yeah oh yeah i watched that like last week for some reason i've seen that movie a bunch because i used to watch it must have been on like stars or something tbs and when shit was on stars like the prestige i think that was your first episode yep. yeah i would that's one of those ones that was like back to back on stars i'm just like ah, i'm just gonna fucking watch the prestige for the umpteenth time life was one of those have you ever seen Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence? Bernie Mac's in it. 
Yeah, I think I saw it when I was 13, but I have no memory of it at all. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, no, it, it fucking rolls. I know you don't like Eddie Murphy, but that's, I really, <laughs> for whatever reason, my partner had on uh, Nutty Professor one night, and I watched like 20 minutes of it, and I was like, this is fucking dog shit. This is horrible. Oh, ooh, I, I grew up with that, so that one's that, that one's near and dear. That one's got a young Chappelle in it. Yeah, Reggie. none of which his his the joke about his character was, does not make sense to anyone that's watching it in 2023. What when he says uh, just like just like the whole like Def Jam comedy oh, yeah, character. That, yeah, that whole vibe. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah, I grew up with that one, so that that one's very near and dear to me. The the OG or that was actually a remake, but I'll toss this between the crack of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's got some good ones. I think I gave up on, um, I even like Bowfinger shit, but uh, I think I gave up with Eddie Murphy right around Norbit. <laughs> right around Pluto Nash. Oh, dude. That's, it's unwatchable. It really is. I know my wife likes to, th- she throws around unwatchable where it has no meaning anymore, but Pluto Nash is definitely in, on a short list of unwatchable films. Uh, it's probably pretty good. Wait, you're you're trying to defend Pluto Nash right now? Maybe I'm thinking of Blank Man or Meteor Man. No, yeah, Meteor, Meteor Man is Robert Townsend. That's a much better film. Very similar kind of aesthetic, which I could forgive you for. No, Pluto Nash, with that was I think 2002. It's it's real bad. It's like worse than Super Mario Brothers with John Leguizamo and. I mean, that movie's Bob fucking Hoskins. amazing. I love that movie. <laughs> it's good. I, I'm okay with it. I don't get all the hate that it gets. And I also like that uh, Bob Hoskins in an interview realized like how trashy the film was. So him and John Leguizamo would get trashed at lunchtime on shoots. And there's a scene where he crashes a car. Like he doesn't full on crash, but he like sideswipes a car. And he's like, yeah, that wasn't supposed to, that wasn't in the script. Because <laughs> him and Leguizamo were just blitzed after lunch. Yeah, that's a fucking weird movie. One thing I wanted to say is you guys talk about Twister quotes all the time. Oh, yeah. But you never talk about he's in it for the money, not the science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's come up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you can't explain it. You can't predict it. <laughs> and one well, of the things. Uh, he's a corporate kiss butt. soju was talking about twister the ride at universal studios yeah so i've never been there but there's this old youtube video i actually rewatched it today it's 16 years old and has 58,000 views on it so (laughs) not the most viewed video but it's just like this video of uh bill paxton on twister the ride like he was talking about shit, but someone edited it to like every time he was supposed to say Twister, he said Bill Paxton. So <laughs> it's so stupid and like the most <laughs> low hanging fruit of comedy. But I, I mean, it's 16 years old and I still remember it. It's just like, he's just like <laughs> the movie Twister is about one of the most primordial forces on earth. Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it can take a car and throw it a hundred Bill Paxton's across the highway. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, you guys are, 
I mean, you're Paxton heads, but do you have any Paxton drops? Shit. I'm getting called out right now. I don't think I do. Because you don't even have, you're stewed, buttwad. Dude, that's one of my favorite lines. Time to pay the fiddler. <laughs> Dereliction of duty over here. I want $238. State of the badass art. Are you a big weird science fan? Man, I don't think John Hughes is very good. That's fine. I'm 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 not a, a Hughes sycophant, although I'm a I'm a big fan of Uncle Buck, I will say that. Um John Candy top three. Have you ever seen Weird Science, Steve? I I used to quote uh, yeah, his character in that. It's been a long, long time. Where he turns into a fucking piece of shit at the end. He's like, hey. I just remember him like burying his guns in the backyard. I don't remember that part. Yeah, One he's just f- like a weird like older military brother graduated high school and is about to go in the military and is fucking yeah. has like a hard arm R- for it. One of these ROTC freaks. One of my favorite lines in in weird Al or not weird Al, in weird science is when the, <laughs> the two kids like manifest like a fucking like missile or something that ends up coming through the house. And Bill Paxton is talking to um, Kelly LeBrock, the fucking uh, fantasy woman of your dreams that they manifest and she says something she's like we're, we're dealing with some important shit this is a fucking missile or whatever and bill paxton says something like yeah we'll do this whatever and he's like and i didn't think it was a whale dick honey <laughs> just fucking kills me <sighs> good times yeah okay. i wonder if she ever's ever like man i can't believe i used to be married to steven seagal yeah yikes <laughs> although i will say uh, guilty pleasure of mine of Seagal's is uh, Glimmer Man. <laughs> with Keenan <laughs> yeah, Ivory Waynes. We got him to crack, yes. <laughs> Dude, that's a good one. I thought you were going to go, uh, what is it, above like, the law? Yeah, or out for a kill or something like. I want to take you to the bank, Senator Trent, to the blood <laughs> bank. Oh, man. No, yeah, I love the Glimmer Man. I think there's one fight scene in particular. He has, like, a credit card that's bladed that he slits someone's throat with. Like, you know those trick, like, like playing cards you can buy, like, mall ninja shit? They're, like, bladed, and, like, you flick them. He's got, like, a credit card with a blade. Nothing personal, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, fire down below. Um, yeah, what a caricature that guy is. Yeah. Have you ever heard his music? That's something no, that doesn't get brought up a lot. It's not oh, bad. Wait. It's not oh, bad. Wait, that's right. Didn't he play it like Gold Country or something? Like his band or I, I have some like deja vu going on. I like from your end, like you were you were saying something about him years ago, Steve. Um him and his band. I don't know they about play that. like weird they weird play like Native American jazz or some shit. No, I mean, probably, but also, I mean, he has music videos where it's just like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Just like, it's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just like his fetishization of like everything Asian. Yeah, I've seen some of that weird shit where like he tries to do his hapkido or aikido shit where where he just like rolls people and he's not even moving and (laughs) it just also I mean speaking of Tom Segura bits that are not actually bits, if you've ever seen that show that he was on where 
Steven Seagal used to hang out with like the Louise, like the uh, New Orleans Police Department. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I thought that was like, didn't he get like, like Shaq is like was deputized as like a a a, uh, a consultant, and he he like wore a uniform and shit, or he was like an honorary detective, or he was just like a, it was a show where Steven Seagal was like like a glorified ride along. I mean, I remember an episode where he took all of the other cops to a shooting range and he was like, you're going to shoot a matchstick from 25 yards. <laughs> <laughs> and just like all of that, like pseudo mystic <laughs> bullshit that he talks about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. And you can tell watching it that they're all just like, okay. <laughs> We got to do this dog and pony show for the cameras. Fuck. All right. You guys got any final thoughts? Do you have any other tidbits or anything that we glossed over regarding Zodiac, Chris or Steve? I don't. Nope. Um, no, not on Zodiac. All right. Anything else you guys want to wrap about before we pack this one up? Any other colloquialisms or anything that fun that's happened since the last time we spoke? Um, I did go to painting with a twist, and whilst I was there, I brought up the Elf Christmas special again. Nice. <laughs> so there was that. Um, and I'm wondering how... Me sober enough. <laughs> Elf. <laughs> Here, I'm feeling a my... bit peckish. Is there a KFC around? Here's my new segment, which is this week in white people shit. Um, Hell yeah. Is... Getting drunk and watching YouTube videos together, the most white people shit ever. Shit, I do that sober. I just had family in town and everyone was drunk and they're just like, hey, what's the watch? Uh, Yeah, Whitney Houston singing the national anthem or fucking. Dude, that one's good. Oh, okay. Like that kind of shit. Like what we do it for like really funny stuff. Like a big kick we've been on lately is. people slipping on ice like for ridiculous <laughs> periods of time before falling dude some of that shit i don't know what it is about someone struggling for 15 seconds just like whoop, 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 just fucking trying to catch there's one of this kid i don't know if i shared it with you steve he's like a 20 year old something they get out of the car he's like yeah that party was great and he fucking slips and he keeps it going for like fucking 30 seconds. And there's a point where he looks at the, at his friend filming him and he just totally sells out. He's pumping like in form running with his arms, pumping his legs. Chopping. It's like he, he's on the treadmill for another 10 seconds before going into this wild, like turns into a whirling dervish and lands on his ass. Something about that is fucking hilarious. And it's like contagious, but, um, I will say the Whitney Houston national anthem that she sang before. I can't remember the Super Bowl. Dick Dog would know this. Take nine to Dead two. To rights um, was excellent. Yeah. I've even gone so far as watching reactions to yeah. like people filmed on camcorder from like 1992 yeah. of them reacting to the dude. That was a pretty big. I think I was like in fourth grade when she did that, and it was like proud to be an american as fuck moment like it's iconic yeah i just don't feel like there's a need to watch four different renditions of the national anthem yeah that's that's taking it to another level 
But also, I, I mean, something you said, you know, like watching funny videos. One of the things, though, you can know everything about someone and still not be able to predict what sort of comedy they're into. That's something I've found in life. Yeah, for sure. So sort of what these watching YouTube video sessions turn into is like your people are showing me comedians that I don't find to be funny at all. Yeah, that can be a slog for sure. And just be like, yeah, hmm. men and women and- are different. <laughs> <laughs> and then you you have like a, a sense of obligation to that person. Yeah, and then I'm like, well, let's break it up. Let's uh, let's watch some of Vin Diesel's music videos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, that guy's a that that guy's a fucking character, weirdo. Hey, Fast and Furious goes pretty hard. <laughs> I, I touched a nerve there. <laughs> He's a weird uh, motherfucker. Pitch black. Thank you very much. <laughs> Did not know who he was fucking with. Pitch Black's great. Have you ever seen Pitch Black with Vin Diesel? That was like before he broke out. No. Super good. No. It's it's a banger. Uh, Knock around, guys. Uh, well, I can't go too hard on it because it's got Barry Pepper in it, who played Jackson from Saving Private Ryan, Steve. Oh, so. yeah. Also in uh, Fast and Furious 2. Was he? I think so. Or some other guy that looks exactly like him. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to red penny on that one. I, I'm I'm gonna say definitively he was not in that without looking it up. Okay. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> he was actually, he was great as Roger Maris in '61 uh, opposite Tom Jane. Yeah. Who played Mickey Mantle? Oh, I have a fun piece of uh, trivia related to the Zodiac case and more specifically the movie Zodiac, but because. Uh, this is this one jumped out because George Lucas I know is from kind of he's from the Central Valley uh, and he lived a lot of a lot of years in um, like Marin County and he went to school at USC like famously the film school there so um, this kind of got a regional interest for him but I guess he gave an interview to Empire Magazine once stating that the Zodiac mur- murders captures imagination at the time as a high schooler and then later on when he attended college at USC. He always felt like Dave Toshi was harshly judged, uh, too harshly judged for how the investigation was handled. And he explained this is why he named a location on Tatooine Toshi Station in honor of the SFPD inspector, which that's pretty intense. I was supposed to go to Toshi Station to pick up power converters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Luke says. Yep. And that jumped out because at the time, I remember uh, growing up, uh, one of my... My ex stepbrother uh, was a huge fucking Star Wars nerd, and he would quote like really like obscure, or at least to me that was a pretty obscure line. And he would drop that one. So when I read this, I was like, "Oh shit, they did. He did name that Tashi Station. That's pretty neat." Um, it's like poetry; it rhymes. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Well, yeah, this was kind of a definitely a, a scattershot kind of episode i don't even know what the fuck we should title this one like fucking potpourri really big red killer yeah big red <laughs> big red and big blue baseball um yeah cool well thanks for coming on again chris regardless Hell of what yeah. we're talking about or uh covering poorly it was a good time for sure um if you guys want to reach out to us, uh, hate mail is welcomed. Uh, Steve has indicated previously. You can yeah, reach please us do. At- 
I was thinking uh, I English. never write reviews for podcasts. <laughs> dude, I, I when I re-listened to that when I was editing, dude, that part got me. Like the the every that time whole rev, that review that person. If I could give this a negative less than zero, I would give it a negative a thousand about prisoners. It's like what? And use the word crud. This piece of crud. I'm hoping people who don't like the show convene and call themselves anti-waxers. <laughs> <laughs> Wax offers. Yeah, our battle cry will be wax on. Uh, <laughs> uh, quick, quick aside too. I guess since it's top of mind, since I we just released it this morning. Um, I don't know if you listened to the episode, but did you? It have did. You seen have you seen prisoners before, Chris? Yeah, we talked about that last time. I was like, it's a good one. I think Steve will like it. And Steve okay. liked it. I loved okay. it. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty hand blown at that point, so that makes sense. Yeah, it was a it was a winner all, all the way around. So right on. Um yeah, hate mail. Wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. That's where to send it. Uh and uh I, I think I added it in, in post in the previous episode, but I also just wanted to recall um we were on uh a cut above, Steve and I, for identity from two thousand three. That they released that this past Monday, uh, and that's their most recent episode. Uh so check them out. They're uh they do a lot of horror centric, obviously. Um, but that was a fun one to talk about, even though we didn't, it, it I think it seemed across the board kind of lukewarm on it, but, um, thank you again. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. Word. Um, yeah. And when I was talking to, uh, Thon from ghoulish university, remember when he was talking about, he recommended the raid, the raid one and two, like, as it being like fucking like top tier, like top three dope, super dope action movie. Like that's super underseen. I think it's foreign. I'm sure. Well, maybe you've seen it, Chris. Do you have any have. insight? In can you can you uh, add to that at all, or vouch for the raid one or two? Uh, yeah, I can vouch for the raid, the first one. It's uh, Steve. If you've ever seen Fury Road or the Judge Dread remake, it's pretty similar to those, where it's just straight <laughs> action. Like, no. I haven't. <laughs> Something in a similar vein that I think is truly underrated is The Protector with Tony Jaa. Dude, fuck yeah. Although, I've never seen that. I've seen Ong Bak. I've seen Ong so, Bak. Yeah. The Protector. Tony Jaa's. It's good times. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Because, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer after watching Ong Bak. That shit was dope. When he gets the fucking the bones, he puts them on his elbows and he fucking slices that dude. He up. also does that in the protector. Yes, <laughs> sold, sweet. Um, so yeah, we might have to get get something together with them to check out the raid. I've I've heard both of them are. It's like a weird uh, franchise in that the first and second are like neck and neck in terms of like quality and how like dope badass action overall they are. And they're almost like interchangeable. Like you don't have to watch one to get or enjoy the second or vice versa. So, um, so yeah, that might be in, in the future too, cooking up, but I think next week we're riding solo dolo. Me and Steve, we're going to be reviewing Jennifer eight, which is not <laughs> a fucking <laughs> female Android. Bicentennial man. No, Jesus Christ. No. Yeah. It's actually, it's like a gritty, like, just like an early 90s crime 
like uh, whodunit with Lance Hendrickson, Andy Garcia, Uma Thurman. It's good. And the aforementioned John Malkovich, who has a really good uh, role in it, albeit uh, pretty short. But uh, yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. I think right now it's it's relatively available. I think the last I checked it was on HBO Max. I could be wrong. Let me double check this. Jennifer 8. Yep, it's on HBO Max, Showtime, and DirecTV uh, to stream right now. So yeah, check out Jennifer 8. You can also reach out to us on Instagram is at Waxing the Porpoise. Twitter is at Waxing the Porp. Um, so you can send hate, hate mail there as well if you like. Uh, cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, Chris, for coming on. Q Marinos, we appreciate you. Always a great time. Go to bed, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> <laughs>